you give yourself four hours to complete a task, it takes four hours. You give yourself eight hours, it takes eight hours, two hours, it takes two hours. Like we, we fill the, the task expands to fill the time. And so what I really focus on is I determine what, what are my goals overall? And then I'll put that time on the calendar and that's just blocked out. And if somebody asks, can we meet it as such and such a time? You know, it's a really easy answer. I'm sorry. I've got a previous commitment. You know, I'm, I have a commitment to myself, to my family, to my goals that I'm going to achieve these things. Now, now that I've time blocked that out, I have this other time that's available that we can figure out how to fit those business goals in. Hey everybody, uh, Andrew Smallwood here. If we haven't had the pleasure of connecting yet, uh, I'm Second Nature Chief, uh, Chief Customer Officer and uh, involved with the Triple Win uh, podcast and live events that we do today. I have the distinct pleasure um, of bringing up my friend, Tony Klein, uh, here today to have a conversation. And, and Tony kind of insists, hey, we want to have uh, a dialogue together. We want to encourage you guys to, to be engaged here as well. And I'll be doing my best. Laura will help me out. Um, if you can bring some of your your questions or curiosities uh, into the chat, we'd love to see that, as well as potentially even some of your uh, feedback and what you're learning along the way. If something really resonated with you, you know that's often helpful for other people in the audience, kind of sharing uh, those takeaways uh, as we go. So we'd love to see that highlighted in the chat. Production, depending, we may we may have an opportunity to even bring you a couple of you up. But um, Tony, we'll go ahead and bring Tony up to the stage, and I'll give him. Uh, my insufficient introduction, but at least sufficient enough to get going here. Um, so listen, here, here's what I think everybody will want to know um, about Tony Clyde as a way of starting. And that's that um, Tony has been in the property management industry for, uh, gosh, I think close to 25 years and, and ran a property management business for over two decades, successful business. Um, ultimately, was a part of a couple different uh, mergers and um, you know, was really running at the home, the Homeball Property Management Group with um, with his peers there. They were operating in, in seven different markets in six states, uh, which was exciting. And um, shortly after selling his interest in those business, um, started PM Success, which is a full-time training and consulting business for the property management industry from someone who's an expert in it. And I think it's worth mentioning earlier this year, Second Nature, um, organized the Triple Win Awards, but the Triple Win Awards are actually peer-nominated uh, and peer-judged and assessed, right? So it's not second nature actually picking uh, who the winners are um, through some political process, or it's not just like a Facebook vote where you go get your grandma to like like the post five times, right? And that's how somebody wins. We wanted to do this of like, hey, what do the leading experts in the industry think, right? And judge by peers, um, who wins the award for resident experience, investor experience. And then we also added one called the Kevin Knight Mentor of the Year Award as a honor to our friend um, who passed recently, Kevin Knight, um, a, a great story of his career and impact for another time. But Tony was recognized, nominated, and ultimately awarded the Kevin Knight Mentor of the Year Award earlier this year. Um, and I saw the response to that of just like, so, oh, he's so deserving. And when I think of how people describe Tony, um, you know, in this industry, you'll hear things like he's a friend, you'll hear things like he's a mentor, 
right? Mentor of the year. You'll hear things like, um, he's a coach. He's somebody who's in my corner. I feel like an encouraging voice for me uh, in support of me. You'll hear things uh, like Tony is an inspiration. And Tony recently completed a pretty incredible achievement. It's called the Triple Crown. And there's uh, there's three 200 plus mile races, one in Tahoe, if I'm remembering correctly, another one, the Bigfoot, uh, and then and then finally the Moab 240, 240 miles. Um, in a two and a half month period, Tony completed all three of these races. Obviously, very few people even complete one of these races to do all three in that time period is just that much more impressive and exclusive, I would say, of, uh, of an achievement. Um, and... Tony, I, the last thing I just want to say personally, when, when I think of you, I, I would I would use all the same words: friend, uh, you know, mentor, somebody I've learned a lot from, and and inspiration, somebody who um, has challenged my thinking in a lot of ways and opened up new ways of thinking about things, uh, which I really appreciate. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation for those reasons. And I think of you as a, a heart centered leader in this industry. Somebody who's very people oriented, somebody who's very impact oriented, somebody who really wants to contribute. And for that, I just want to say thank you uh, for being here today to do just that uh, and, and share some stories, share some wisdom, have a good time uh, and see see what kind of impact you know we can have, what kind of difference we can make for property management professionals. So Tony, anything I missed in your intro, you want to add on to that bullet points? No, that, that was fantastic. I appreciate that. Um, I, I do spend uh, a big part of my passion is helping people succeed and figuring out where they're at now and where they want to go and just helping people come up with a plan to do that and then watch them execute. And so for you to say those kind words, uh, I, I'm very much appreciative of that. So thank you. Yeah. Well, there's a, a lot of ways we start. I mean, I'm, I'm sure people, you've got, we've got people's interest with some of your background, but I'm kind of curious if you can wind us back a little bit, um, you know, pr probably not to just like the day after the race. And <laughs> if we could rewind a little bit, can you can you give us a little like the story of Tony Klein of like, how did you get here to, um, you know, this place where you ran a successful property management business and, you know, r really an extreme athlete and, uh, you know, a leader in this industry helping others. Can, can you give us like a sense of where you started there and kind of how, how you got here? Sure. Yeah, so I'll start with the my position in the property management industry. So I had a small property management company here in Denver, Colorado, and um, you know I was doing a lot of things that small business operators do. And one day I was out doing an inspection on a, a property. We had a tenant that was moving in, and some of my team was busy, and so I'm just like, I'll go out, make sure the property's ready. And while I was out there, I started getting really sick, and I'd I'd had this sickness that they couldn't figure out, couldn't diagnose. and um, But at the time I was at this property and the pain got so bad that I I actually went inside one of the bedrooms, shut the door, went inside the closet of that bedroom, shut the door, turned off the lights and the light coming underneath the door was still too bright and the pain was just immense. And I remember laying there thinking, I just, I don't care how but the pain has to stop. Like it just has to go away. And, and so I don't even remember how I got home that night, but the next day my wife started looking through all the different choices for doctors and things. And so I'll shortcut that, but we, we found somebody that could help kind of figure it out. But one of the things that they said along the way was, 
we don't really know what's wrong with you. Maybe you just need more exercise. And I kind of really just out of spite, just to kind of check the box off the list, I started walking around this park by my house. It was a six-tenths of a mile loop around this park. And eventually those walks, I started turning into a little bit of a morning person. I started enjoying smelling the grass and watching the sunrise and hearing the birds. And so I started extending that. And one morning I just walked eight miles before work and I'm like, I really enjoy this, but uh, you know, it's taken too much of my day. And so the next day I got up and uh, I remember distinctly, I ran five minutes and then I walked five minutes, ran four, walked four, all the way down to one. And at the end I was exhausted, but it was those small steps of progress that started putting me on this path to eventually, as I started feeling better, I started living by this motto of, you know, one does not find their limits until they search for them. And the more you search, the harder they are to find. And so that turned into deciding to run my first marathon to my first 50 to first 100 miler to my first 240 miler. And now it's just the, the limits are getting closer and closer in my vision of what's possible and the limits become what you think is a big challenge actually becomes something super small because you start building the some of these practices that we're going to talk about you know some of these things that we've implemented actually make those big challenges just kind of disappear mm. yeah i think it's so interesting of like uh you know when i imagine somebody who's like an ultra athlete i'm like oh they must have like done cross country in high school and like just kind of like continue that on to hear um you know where where this started from and and how how it evolved incrementally i think it's really really interesting you know for people to hear and i, I kind of like tony i imagine you know i think what we promised people what people would be expecting coming into this conversation is um like hey i, I want to get the most out of myself i want to get the most out of the people that I, that I work with. I, I want to get the most out of my business. Um, and I'm curious, you know, for people who are trying to answer those kind of questions, like if it start, does it start with a goal, you know, or, or where should we start? I know we're going to talk about how to set goals. We're talking about how to achieve them. You know, if that's kind of like how I'm thinking or what I'm thinking about accomplishing, wh where might we start with that? Yeah, I think l let me start with, with a thought and that I want to kind of frame the rest of our conversation around this. I think most of us, we dream too small. And, you know, I think in general, life will give us what we ask for and what we work hard to achieve. But most of us don't start out thinking, you know, I'm going to be able to run an ultra marathon or I'm going to be able to start a successful business or whatever. We have those, those dreams or those wishes, but we don't really know how to get from turning it from a wish into something more concrete. And, and so, I think the number one, the number one thing you can do is to come up with something that you believe is achievable and then just take action towards it and realize you're going to fail, but that's okay because success is built on the foundation of failure. And so to try to achieve something great without expecting to fail, you're just setting yourself up for, for misery. And so we're, we'll talk a little bit more about what it means to take action and where to put your efforts, but Honestly, it's you, you can sit around and with a group of people and theorize and talk about what you're going to do. But the number one thing is to just take action and see where it takes you. You, you, can't, you can't steer a parked car. 
But once that car is in motion a little bit, we can kind of steer you where you want to go. And so, you know, when you think about goals, Tony, and when people are setting goals, you know, ones that are achievable, ones that get them into action, um, you know, how, how do you like, what have you found works for you? And what have you found kind of like works for others, right? That you've coached through this of like, how many goals do I set? Or how do I even, <laughs> like, like even start, like, how many do I set? What should be my criteria? I know we talked about beyond smart goals, like in the title of this, you know, can, can you get into that a little bit of? Sure. Well, let's start with, at first, let's make sure that everybody knows what smart goals are. And so to, to start with smart goals, you know, we're, um, drawing a blank on the yes right off the bat. Um, yeah, specific, I think, right? Specific. There we go. Okay. All right. I, I don't know why I blanked. Uh, specific, measurable, attainable, um, relevant, and then time bound. And if you were to, if you were to be somebody that was just analytical and format your goals in that way, you, you, you're off to a good start, but that doesn't motivate you through the hard times. I think what, what smart goals does is it, it gives you, if everything went well, that's a good way to structure your goals, but without tying some sort of emotion to it, some sort of bigger desired outcome, then it's not going to help you get through the rough times. And, you know, there, there are a lot of examples where, you know, I was about a hundred miles into the middle of Bigfoot, which was the, the middle of the three races. And I wanted to quit. Like I just, I, my body was trashed. I was tired. I'd been probably running at that point, 36 hours, maybe more. But I knew that I was going to encounter that. I knew it was going to get rough. So rather than quitting, I had my team there that was with me that all had the same vision. We were all bought into why we were there, what the mission was. And, and so we acknowledged that we were experiencing a challenge, but then we had steps that we could take that we'd already pre-planned that could move us forward and get us out of that. Yeah. I, I like what you said. It's like, uh, there's smart, but it's like, you're kind of missing the heart. If you like, you need like smart plus heart goals, yeah. almost, uh, you know, coming in, it, maybe, could you give an example, Tony, of like, here's either not a smart goal or it's missing some heart or like, here's a smart plus heart kind of like goal. And maybe an example of one that you've set or that you've seen somebody else set that would be relevant for the folks here. I, well, for for me, the the first time I completed my marathon, so back in 2014, I didn't start running until like, I don't know, 2011. So I was what, 41 years old. And uh, at some point I'm like, I don't want to be known as the, the sick guy anymore. I want to be known as the guy who could run a marathon. And at that time, I didn't know anybody who had ever completed a marathon. And so by tying tying that to the finish line, tying, tying that transition, that personal transformation to the finish line helped me cross the finish line. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I ran out the gate way too hard, way too fast. My legs were absolutely on fire when I crossed the finish line. I remember crossing the finish line and laying down in the grass and my legs were burning literally like they were on fire. But that's not the thing that stuck in my mind. The thing that stuck in my mind was I did something that meant a lot to me personally because it was tied to more than just that goal of running 26.2 miles. And so if we were to relate that to business, if you were to tie that back into your business goals, I really believe that your business goals, your business exists 
to be able to provide certain resources for you in your personal life. So if you're building your business and you're setting business goals, what I try to do is tie those business goals back to how does that impact my life personally? How does that move me forward and get me closer to my personal goals? By having those things tied together, it allows me to really be better. Um, I don't know if Mark Brower is, is joining us today, but um, when I first met Mark, I met him at the PM Health 5K at one of the national conferences. And he's a lot faster than me. And we were joking around a little bit at the start of that. And, you know, I told him that uh, I'll beat anybody here. And it wasn't like an ego or a cocky thing. It was, I, I will beat anybody here as long as I get to pick the distance because I am willing to suffer a long time because I've tied something meaningful to the end of that goal. And so just having that personal attachment to the result is going to get you through those things when things get tough because we we have to know going into it that it's going to get tough. Yeah, I, I'm curious, you know, bringing this to more recent, that was great, by the way. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this like triple crown thing, right? Like you obviously don't like just stumble uh, you know, on a path and like find yourself inside of a 200 mile, like obviously that's something you prepare for and commit to sure. and register for. And, and so I'm curious, like, okay, if, if early on there was this kind of identity transformation, can you speak a little bit to like, what was the motivation to say, I'm going to do something this big, this extreme over a short period of time, I'm going to have to do the training prep. I remember seeing you in July, you know, as you were, you were, uh, getting ready to go for this. Uh, I remember you being on a Zoom call, like right after, right after one on the other side of one. Um, like what, what was that for you this time? What do, what do you mean? What what was what for me? Can you can you talk about like hey the decision process to commit to doing the triple crown? Like what was what was motivating you and how you how you thought about it? Well, I talked a little bit earlier about um, you know you don't know your limits until you search for them, and the more you search, the harder they are to find. And once you are experiencing some momentum, it just becomes what's the next thing? What's what? I didn't know I was capable of this, but now that I see that I'm about to achieve this, it makes me believe that the next thing is is possible. And part of that training was getting into the right community, being around the right kind of people. One of the things that I learned early on is if you want to learn to run 50 miles, you start hanging around people that run 100 miles because 50 is only half as far. It's not even half the effort. Like that's the easy that's the easy half. But it's getting around the people that have that mindset of being able to achieve and help you believe, change that mindset of what's possible. Like I didn't even know that these type of races existed until I started being able to perform better and better. I never would have gone into this and said, I'm going to go from running a marathon to running 240 miles. 654 miles over three races. I was one of the, there were only nine people because of the way that the races fell. There was only 17 days between the first and second races. And the second one was the hardest of the three. There were only nine people on the planet because people came in from all over the, all over the, the globe to compete in this. There were only nine people that saw that as a goal, nine people crazy enough to, to finish. There were 62 people or something that signed up and nine of us uh, I'm sorry, 18 of us finished and I finished nine. But there's a small group of people that 
the farther you go into becoming an expert in something, the fewer and fewer there are that are out there. And one of the things that I learned is those other 18 people weren't necessarily my competitors. Somebody was going to win. Somebody was going to come in first place. But everybody out there was going to achieve some life-changing achievement. And we were all there to help each other better uh, or get better. And so one of the things that I learned is the, the more you dive into something, the more you focus on it, the more you start finding your peers to have the same goals. And by attaching yourself to other people with similar goals and ideas, it makes things just that much easier than trying to figure out how to do it all on your own. Mm. You know, I, there's um, a friend of mine, Tony, who actually ran long distances and was sharing with me some of the lessons that he learned. And one one that he talked about, I remember, was he was on on the path and there was another person there and they, um, they were interacting a little bit. And he, he was kind of like going at this person's pace. And then after a little bit, he realized this person shared with them, they, they had participated in this race like 12 years in a row and they had never finished out of any mm-hmm. of the 12 years. And he suddenly realized, oh, like maybe this is not, <laughs> th- this isn't the person I should be uh, engaging, right? Engaging with at this time or not, not aligned to my goals. And, and I've seen you do this in your business of surrounding yourself um, with a with a peer group, right, and others that are have similar goals, have similar intentions, have a similar attitude about growth. Okay, can you share like a couple examples of that um, and where that's worked for you in in your business career? Yeah, well, you you mentioned in business, I do the same thing. You know, when we went through our merger, we looked for people who had you know, prior to our merger. I was operating in Colorado, running my business. Honestly, I had things where it was fairly streamlined. I was working ten or fifteen hours a week. But it was too small. What I was achieving was too small. And that's why we decided we would do this merger. John Johnson and I got together actually on a, um, I don't know, like a, a rock crawling incident. Or uh, we were out at Moab actually on some of these four wheel drive razor things. And we just got this idea of what could we do to transform the industry and, and have a platform. And this was before some of the big players and we're just like, what could we do to create resources for people to plug into? And so that was one of the examples of he and I came together, we brought in a few other people, and we we tried to accomplish something really big. And what you learn is your your challenges or your your obstacles kind of define the goal. And so sometimes if we get caught up on a certain obstacle, if we change the thinking and change the goal, if we 10x what the goal is. Then we start thinking about what would we have to do to not solve this tiny little goal uh, obstacle, but to overcome this much bigger obstacle. And you come up with bigger and better solutions. And and so we tried to roll Homevault out and expand into different markets. And uh, then COVID hit, you know, and and kind of changed our marketing plans and things. But um, I think the key is surround yourself with people who have the right vision and who aren't afraid to go out and and take risks and one of the core values for my company is to be courageous and courageous doesn't mean to enter into something without being afraid that's being brave and you need to be brave sometimes too but really being courageous facing things that you you know scare you or that might be a challenge but you know what's on the other side to me i think that is so impactful and other people watch you do that and you watch other people do it. 
And all of a sudden you have this community of people who are moving faster and faster towards their their goals, but we're all doing it together. And how would you describe kind of like the the relate like do do you think of these folks as these are accountability buddies, these are you know, how do you like how do you think about the relationship and what do the interactions look like that you found have led to, you know, success and, and kind of enjoying it more along the way? Sure. Well, I think there's a there's a few things. The first thing is um, you mentioned accountability. I think that's absolutely crucial. I'll give you an example of that. You know, here in Colorado, the winter mornings can be down in the 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 teens or single digits as you're going out. But yet, when you're set up to go out and do your training, it's it's much easier to say it's cold, it's icy, whatever, when it's just me. But I had training partners that were meeting me at the trailhead at five thirty in the morning before the sun came up. I knew I couldn't let myself down, but I sure wasn't going to let down the rest of my team. I wasn't going to let down the people that I was holding them accountable and they were holding me accountable. So I think it's really crucial to find that community, but also once you're inside that community, find that accountability partner that you can get really vulnerable with and share. These are the, these are the deep secrets. These are my goals that I have. And these are the fears that I have around that. And and then you can help each other through you know some of those obstacles and then you have somebody to celebrate your wins with yeah i can i talk ask about like um you know setting a big goal this like 650 plus miles right the triple crown um yeah i'm sure that there was training preparation you mentioned the first race the second one which i think you said was like the toughest one was 17 days later i mean i gotta imagine somewhere in here there were like a couple of really challenging moments or experiences and can you share you know one or two of those that you feel like kind of illuminate a lesson that would be would be relevant for others yeah so to uh, to start with to be bold enough to say i'm going to do something like running 654 miles in three races over two and a half months i get that that's not everybody's thing like but everybody has something that they're willing to put an immense a- a- amount of effort into if you could figure out a path, a plan, what the steps are. And so if you look at those 654 miles, they were broke down into three races. But then each one of those races were broken down into segments where you had maybe 15, 10 to 20 miles in between aid stations. And so each one of those, you could study and say, what do I need to do to get through this section? And then who can I have help me along the way? in each section. And so we we took a really big goal and we broke it down into our intermediate goals and we broke it down into our our small goals where we could realize um, achievements, in, in incremental achievements that would keep us going. One of the things that uh, that comes to mind though to to answer your question was in Tahoe, the first race, the first day was super hot, a lot of carnage, a lot of people wound up dropping out because the, the heat was just too much. People were getting heat exhaustion. And um, and so I made it through the first day, but by the middle of the second day, that heat had taken a toll on me as well. But because we um, had a plan, my whole team was committed to the mission and they knew what the vision was. There was a point where, and I, I won't get into the details of it, but I had a blister on my foot, on my pinky toe, 
that was causing a lot of problems. I mean, it was basically the whole toe. And after dealing with that for a while, you know, it, it became where it became the focus. It became, it took my mental energy away. And so hmm. we decided we would step off the course and we would go to, um, there was a lake that was probably a hundred yards off the course. And I just decided I'm going for a swim. Like I'm going to reset my brain. I'm going to refocus on things that are important that are, that matter to me. And in that moment, I just, I went into a deep session of gratitude. And of course I popped the blister. I took care of that, but I just got in the lake and just laid back and kind of did a back float and really thought about why am I out here? What am I working on? And while I was doing that, Brandon was, you know, making sure that my equipment was dried out. He was checking my nutrition, making sure that I had all the right food. So, you know, I, I, a, a key is just having people that buy into your vision and your mission and then having the right team members that are there that can pick you up, um, having your accountability partners that can keep you going and, and know even when you say you want to quit or that things are dark, you're, you're just in a moment, right? That's not where the goal is. That's not where the mission ends. Tony, and I, I did ask if there were like a couple challenging moments and lessons, but I, I want to ask more about this for a second. So like, what I'm taking away a little bit from your story and, and tell me, um, yeah, I would love your feedback on this of like, hey, th there's going to be, um, you know, you set a big goal, like there, you're going to be working at it. There's going to be blisters <laughs> using that as kind of like a metaphor that, yeah. that pop up. And they are challenging, persistent things, and it can take a lot of your focus, almost your focus off the goal, right? And it's like, oh, like I've got this, like this distraction, um, you know, in addition to how it, how it's, how it's affecting you, right? The, the reality of it. Um, and it sounds like, hey, recognizing that, not just ignoring it. Yeah. Um, it really, really, you engage that, you enlisted other people's help, but we're able to get yourself back to a place of, I can continue to make forward and make progress from here. Um, and that, that's really your strategy of like, Hey, not ignore it, but engage it, get yourself comfortable to a place where you can continue to make progress. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I could have hid the fact that I was, I, I could have tried to hide the fact that that was going on. I mean, eventually the limp was so bad that, you know, people would see something was happening, but they wouldn't know, but they wouldn't have been able to help me. Right. I couldn't, if I wouldn't have been open and vulnerable of this is what I've got going on. I would have been dealing with that on my own. I wouldn't have had the help. The other thing that by recognizing it, you can kind of recognize it, put it in a box and separate yourself from it and say, okay, this is the issue that we need to overcome, not this is my performance or this is this is me. Like I'm separate from the issue. The other thing is when you're doing these, chasing these big goals, um, and I could go on for this for way longer than we have, but I want to hit on a couple of things. A lot of what we do in our life is we do subconsciously. You know, there's research that shows up to 95% of our daily activity has already been predetermined by our previous habits. Right? And so what, what we really try to focus on is the RAS or reticular activating system. It's a part of your brain that uh, I think there's something like your brain receives like 11 million bits of information per second. But you're, you can only consciously, if you were to close your eyes, open your eyes for one second, close them again, you could document about 40 things that you saw that made it through your filter. And so it's really important to, to 
predetermine what you're going to allow through that filter. And it's kind of like when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you see that same kind of car or, you know, you ladies at a party, you go to a, a party and you wear a dress and all of a sudden you see somebody that's wearing that same dress. Like you, that made it through the filter because that's important to you. You can't probably remember what most of the other people were wearing, but you remember what that one person was wearing because that made it through your filter. And so by predetermining what your goals are and focusing on those, all of a sudden your brain goes to work subconsciously and starts filtering out the things that are not important for you to hit that goal, but it starts identifying and recognizing solutions that you may not have consciously been pursuing. And all of a sudden you start putting these pieces together of what works to help you achieve these these bigger goals that you put out in front. So I think it's really important to identify the challenges, but not dwell on them. Be super grateful in the moment for your opportunity to even pursue your goals and have a team that can help you achieve them, but always stay focused on what you're going to achieve. Like I've already said, I'm going to win because I'm just willing to suffer longer until I get to what I'm out to achieve because the suffering is separate from myself. That's not who I am. It's what I'm going through. What I love about what you're saying, Tony, like it reminds me of, um, you know, people talk about comfort zones, right? And like getting out of your comfort zone and recognizing, hey, the, the more you can push yourself and do that and expand your capacity and continue to push those limits. And again, using your quota, like you'd be surprised, you know, sometimes how far, um, how far out that can be. And as you do that, there, there's a lot of rewards, right? Both in like personal gratification, but also the further you push out, like the fewer and fewer until you get down to like 18 people in the world, right? That are doing it. Or you think about Michael Jordan pushing himself in his own way, right? And mastering kind of his journey, right? And a lot of people relate to that and want championship results or they want that that feeling of, um, I've really applied myself in Excel. And I'm just curious, like, you know, you were mentioning before, like day one of this race, and it's occurring to me, like to go 200 plus miles, this is not a, uh, you're not done in 15 hours or, you know, how, how long does it take to actually like from start to finish of a rate for a 200, 240 mile race? The, my fastest performance in a 200 miler was just over 80 hours. So, you know, three days and six hours or eight hours. Um, the longest it's taken me was just shy of a hundred hours, like 99 hours and 42 minutes. Okay. So like 80 to a hundred hours, multiple days. And, and can you like explain how much, how many hours of the day are, are you actually like putting one foot in front of the other? Um, like, like what, what does that look like? So for whatever reason, in all the, the, uh, 200 mile races I've done, I've slept an average of about four hours total. So whether I ran for 80 hours or a hundred hours, it just works out where when you're tired, you're tired and you can try to plan it, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so outside of that, those four hours where I'm getting sleep, there's also time where I'll stop in an aid station and, you know, I try not to spend a lot of time at an aid station. And it's kind of like, um, when you're, when you're doing these little mid-level goals, these, these midterm goals, if you haven't crossed that finish line yet of the big goal, it's really dangerous to, to celebrate too much when you hit the the aid station or the mid-level goal. What I like to do is I celebrate when I leave the aid station 
Because the only place you can quit on a trail run, and I know it's a little different in business, but the only place you can quit on a trail run is at an aid station. Because if you're five miles in between aid stations, like you can quit, but nobody cares. You still have to walk forward or backward to get to a place where you can tell somebody you quit. And so I kind of equate that same thing to business. I don't like to celebrate when I hit a goal. I like to celebrate when I surpass it or move past it. And I'm on my way to the next thing. I'm on my way to the next goal or, or incremental checkpoint along the way that gets me to my final destination. So, I, I mean, like I'm getting the picture better here of 80 to 100 hours. There's like a few of these hours where you're sleeping or you know, pausing, yeah. or like changing a shoe out or like, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but like, this is like a, like what's interesting to me about this is it's really like a sustained focused effort. And so like, I'm just curious, um, like training your attention as like a skill, like the ability to focus and like stay focused. Can, can you, can you tell me like, do your, do your thoughts like wander during a race? Right. And you're, it's like, you know, is that your experience or is it, man, there's, there's a, a consistent focus. I'm just curious, like what that's like for you and where your attention goes over an extended period of time like that. Yeah. Um, great question. So one of the things that I try to focus on when I'm, when I'm out there is I want to be in the moment. I don't listen to there. I carry, uh, some headphones, but it's only because about 45 minutes out of every race, I'm in just a really low spot, dark spot. And I need something to some music to get me to the next aid station where I can refill water bottles or whatever. So, but for the rest of it, I'm, I'm generally in the moment there's been, you know, the 654 miles sounds like a lot and it is, but there were way more miles that went into the training to get me to that point. So the race is kind of, the pursuit of the goal is kind of the celebration. It's not actually crossing the finish line. The finish line pulls you forward, but you know, the, the enjoyment is actually being out there. And, you know, one of the things that I see people do when they try to achieve a goal, and, and I'm, this is something that's said quite often, but people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in a lifetime or something to that effect. And so, you know, think about if, you know, January 1st is coming up and I know New Year's resolutions get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of flack anymore about people not achieving their New Year's resolutions, but I'd rather somebody try to uh, achieve a New Year's resolutions 10 years in a row and fail than to not try at all, right? So, even if New Year's resolutions, I think it's like 12% of the people can continue their resolution through March or something like that. Mm-hmm. I want to celebrate those 12 people or 12% of people. And so it's not about how fast can I achieve something. It's how much achievement can I make over time that sticks? How much progress can I make? And so it's, you know, a lot of people go out on the first day way too fast. And then they blow up and then wind up walk, walking or dropping out because they tried to accomplish too much too fast. Where for me, I'm going to start slow. I fall back into the middle of the pack, but then slowly but surely, it's just that consistent effort. And one of the things that we use when we're out on the course is for our motto for one of our mottos for the Triple Crown this year was zero unproductive time. Now, that didn't mean I was running the whole time. It meant if I'm at an aid station, I need to be refilling my bladder. I need to be filling my water bottles. 
getting some nutrition, checking my electrolytes, like all of these things. And the way that relates to business is sometimes we go out way too fast and we we work days and nights without giving ourselves a chance to rest. But taking a rest in business, making sure you shut your phone off at night or taking the weekends to spend with your family allows you to recover. I could not have run any of those races without at least four hours of sleep, right? I mean, you have to take time at the aid station, but then don't linger there, right? Get recharged. I would see a lot of people come into an aid station and they would fill up a big plate of food and they would sit there and eat it. Well, me, I get my stuff ready. I, I fill the water bottles, do things I have to do there. But then I would I would take my food and I would walk the next 45 minutes while I was eating because it's more enjoyable. Plus, I can digest it faster, which makes me all able to continue forward. So the way that applies to business is it's not about how much can I cram in now until I crash and then have to rebuild my team as they fall apart because I'm running them ragged. Let's build in rest and recovery for ourselves and for our team. So I'm curious, Tony, um, like th- there's this aspect of thinking about setting goals and achievement where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm setting a really big goal and I'm bringing a lot of focus to it for an extended period of time and making progress on that. You know, it, it's maybe a little bit different context to think about like something I, I you know, observed about your, that I believe to be true is, yeah, I've seen the way you talk about and the way you seem to value, you know, your family and those relationships, right? Um, you know, great achievements in business, right? There's also, this isn't, the triple crown isn't something you um, really just started or, you know, running long distances isn't something that only started very recently, right? You've been doing that for for years. And so I'm like, I think a lot of profit managers can relate to, man, I've got a, a business that's demanding and challenging. I've got other other goals, right? Other goals that I'm also trying to achieve at the same time. And I'm curious, like, what what have you found kind of to work for you and for others of thinking about those competing priorities and being able to, you know, make progress in a way that's fulfilling? Sure. I can't remember the the name of the law, but there's something about, you know, if you give yourself four hours to complete a task, it takes four hours. If you give yourself eight hours, it takes eight hours, two hours, it takes two hours. Like we we fill the the task expands to fill the time. And so what I really focus on is I determine what what are my goals overall, and then I'll put that time on the calendar. And that's just blocked out. And if somebody asks, can we meet at a such and such a time? You know, it's a really easy answer. I'm sorry, I've got a previous commitment. You know, I'm, I have a commitment to myself, to my family, to my goals that I'm going to achieve these things. Now, now that I've time blocked that out, I have this other time that's available that we can figure out how to fit those business goals in. Um, I think tying it to the calendar and then sharing your goals with the people who matter, telling the story and creating the vision of what you're trying to accomplish, giving people the opportunity to support you in that, to be a part of the story. I truly believe everybody longs to be a part of something great, right? So if you can give them a, a role in the story, if you can give them a place where they can contribute, if they know the story, they'll buy into it and they'll figure out a way to add value. So I, I, storytelling and setting the vision is super important. Then opening up space for people to, to add value on your team is super important. You know, Time blocking is super important and adding it to the calendar. 
I think is it, it gives a way for people to uh, to participate. Something else that's also true though is sharing your goals. There's some stuff that happens in your brain when you share your goal with somebody. Your brain can't tell whether or not you've actually achieved it. It just gets excited and gives you a dopamine hit because you're talking about something in the future that you want to hit. So you got to be really careful about sharing your goal with people who can help you along the way and not sharing it with people who either are going to give you negative feedback or won't actually contribute because there's some danger in talking about it too much with people who can't actually have an impact. Tony, I'm curious, like if you set a smart plus hard goals and I'm hearing you too, like, hey, these big goals, you start to chuck them down into incremental goals, right? Over a period of time, you know, can you, can you talk a little bit about like how you think about the role of habits, you know, playing into um, achieving your goals as opposed to, um, hey, here's this thing and I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to start, you know, <laughs> checking down my list, start like what are the routines or the rhythms or the the habits that you found you know, have been in, in service to achieving your goals and just kind of the relationship between your goals and your habits. There's a book out there and I, I'm drawing a blank on who wrote it, but it's called Atomic Habits. And essentially, one of the main themes in that book is to break your your habits when you're trying to accomplish something, breaking those habits down into the smallest possible. Um, yeah, thanks, Jess. Yeah, it was James Clear. Breaking those habits down into the smallest possible actionable step in the beginning. So one of the things that I do in my training, there are days where I don't feel like training. And sometimes it takes me two hours to get out of the house where I'm like two hours behind schedule because I just, I don't want to go. Like I know I need to go. I know the benefits of it. But in that moment, I don't want to go. But one of the things that helps me finally get out of the house is when I'm having those moments, if I have a couple in a row, I put my shoes by the front door. I'm like, I'm, I grab my shoes, I'm ready to go. And then my commitment to myself is, I don't have to do this whole training. I just got to put on my shoes, step out into the cold, shut the door and make it to the end of the driveway. If at the end of the driveway, I decide I want to quit, I can quit. I can turn around, figure out how to adjust my training, but just getting that in action once you have that momentum, it's like, well, I'm already dressed. I'm already out here. I've already got my running gloves on or whatever. I might as well just go ahead and, and complete it. I like that. Get, like getting enough momentum where it's almost harder not to do the thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. go ahead and do it. Get past that point. Um, so, Andrew, like uh, on, with, with these habits, let me ask. I want to just ask an off-the-wall question. Are you a sock, sock, shoe, shoe guy or are you a sock, shoe, sock, shoe guy? Good question. Um, well, frankly, right now I'm wearing my Allbirds with no socks, so I'm just a shoe shoe guy today. Um, when I'm putting on my socks, I am a sock sock shoe shoe. That is that's how I put them on. Okay, there's a lot of you people out there, and I just don't understand it. Like you, you switch. You you already have that foot up. Like go ahead and put the shoe on top of that sock. Plus, if your house caught on fire, like you'd have one shoe on. You wouldn't be running through the streets with two socks, but. Anyway, it, it doesn't really matter. If if I were to say, I'll give you $1,000 if for the next 30 days, you can reverse it. You can be the other way around. You can be a sock shoe, sock shoe guy. 
But if you messed up once, you don't, you don't get that thousand bucks or whatever the reward was. You would, the best way to succeed with that is not to think, okay, well, I'm going to remember in the morning, I'll get up and I'll change my socks out. What you do is you move it as far to be the beginning of the process to determine what changes can I make as early as possible in the process to get me on the right track, to get my subconscious mind thinking about the right direction. So yeah, I love it. I'm getting some participation in the in the chat of socks. Yeah, see, sock shoe, sock shoe. I knew I liked you, Vicky. Uh, <laughs> but um, so for me, I, I started thinking about how would I change that? And and uh, I would take it all the way back to putting a sign above the, the dryer, the clothes dryer. And I would put a sign that says, turn your socks inside out. So that that way, every day when I went to put on a pair of socks, they would be inside out and it would break me from that habit and, and create this point in my day where I'm actually now making a conscious decision to turn those socks inside out and then put them on the right foot. So anyway, the, the point of that is in order to change your habits, you have to do something intentional to break your subconscious mind for just going through the routine. Yeah. I, you know, in business, I think like sometimes this is the purpose of meetings, right? A recurring meeting, or hey, we've got a format or certain things that we're going to look at and say, hey, how do we how do we address that? I, I love the example of uh, like this is just a simple one with the socks, but thinking about hey, the night before doing this because that's going to be a a trigger or a cue to stop my kind of sub- unconscious uh, routine, right? If I need to to change my routine to get a different result, yeah. It's interesting to think about. Um, it, Tony, I've heard you say. There's this like quote floating around for like many years. And actually I read, I think it was a blog post that you wrote, or maybe it was a social post. I can't recall the specifics of it, but the quote was like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Um, and I've heard this quote, like, or, you know, the, the fortune cookie version of it kind of like shared right over the years. And I'm curious, like what your opinion and kind of point of view is on that. Yeah, that you just made you, my blood. My, I felt my body get warmer. I felt my blood like boil a little bit. Um, I really dislike that, and and I get the intent behind it. If you're, you know, if you're doing something, you should put your effort behind it. But I really dislike how you do every or one thing is how you do everything because that's it's simply not true. You know, if you looked at me and you said, okay, I can run six hundred fifty miles, so I'm a, I'm good at that. So I must be really good at cooking baking souffles. I don't even know what you do with the souffle. That's how ungood I am at that, right? But the reverse is also true. Just because I I don't know how to do something or I don't put a lot of effort into one thing doesn't mean that I don't have the ability to put effort in and be great at something else. So I think it really, you know, one of the things David put in the chat about uh, some obstacles and, and failure kind of holding him back you know, I think that adds to that, that, that adds to, I've got to be good at everything, or if I'm not good at one thing, I must not be good at, at anything. And, you know, I really, failure sucks. I mean, let's just say, say what it is, right? Nobody likes to fail, but I already said it, you know, success is built on the foundation of failure. If you're not willing to fail and learn from it, you're never going to expand. And to tie that back to what you said earlier about the comfort zone, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, that's another one I don't like. You know, Michael Jordan didn't get out of his comfort zone when he won all those championships. What he did was he expanded his comfort zone. 
he continued to push the edge of his comfort zone. He stayed in there and did what he was willing to do to make his comfort zone bigger, but he never left. Well, I won't speak about him, but in general, for me, I don't have to completely leave my comfort zone to push the limits of what I'm capable of. And by doing something that's just slightly at the edge of my comfort zone, it'll expand my comfort zone and make it possible for me to participate in things at a higher level. And and it, the more you do that, I think the more you get comfortable with, I tried something new and I failed and I'm okay with that. I don't want to stay here in that failure, but I want to learn from that and continue to move on. Tony, I, I see we're coming up on time, <clears throat> but I, I do want to, um, it was A, really quickly for everybody who, all our friends who are here with us, uh, as you can tell, we're, we're taking a look at the chat here. Um, I'd love in the chat, if you'd like to just express some appreciation for what Tony shared with you, some things that have been resonating with you today, things that you'd find helpful, they feel like you could be taking action on, uh, that would be great. We'd, we'd love to have that here and for Tony to be able to see that. Um, and, and Tony, I'll open it up to what's something that we didn't talk about today, but you feel like would be really valuable for people like, oh, if we didn't hit this, uh, you know, we, we would have missed something, something big and valuable for folks uh, yeah. about setting or achieving their goals. Well, I, I had kind of coming into this, I had, you know, thinking going beyond smart goals. If I were to try to figure out the top 10 things that, um, people could take away from doing something beyond smart goals to really have that high level of success. Um, you know, really getting clear on your goal setting process and and how you tie your emotions to it and family and make things that are bigger than just simple, simply hitting a number on a spreadsheet or whatever. And then we talked about goal sharing, you know, the, the right way to share your goal and get support and protect it when it's vulnerable and fragile and in its infancy to protect that from other, uh, I won't say predators, but things that could harm it. Um, you know, keeping score, getting really clear. A lot of companies that I work with, we go in and we, we work with them on their scoreboard, um, you know, our scorecard, if you will, uh, changing your environment. That's something we didn't touch on, but really getting clear on what you want to achieve and creating your environment that, that supports that, you know, hiring a coach. One of the things that I didn't talk about was the first year I did Moab 240, I finished 92nd out of 168. I hired a coach that knew had done what I was wanting to do, knew what I needed to improve on, and I went back and finished the following year in the top 10. Um, getting an accountability partner, finding your community, putting your, your success goals on the calendar, habit stacking, clarifying your vision for your business and your personal life. And then the, the very last thing, and I got to 11, I couldn't get rid of this last one, uh, celebrating your successes along the way. I think some of us are better at that than others, but to look, you know, there's that book, The Gap and the Gain, you know, looking at how far I've come, not just how far I have to go. I think it's super important, super critical. Mm. Awesome. Hey, Tony, thanks for sharing that. And, uh, Listen, I, I would like to give a, a plug here because I'm, I'm not sure that Tony Tony would on his own, but I referenced earlier PM Success is the name of the company. Am I remember that right, Tony? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So listen, we'll share a link. Um, Laura Mack or somebody can drop it 
here in the Zoom chat. We'll have it uh, emailed out to folks, but pmsuccess.com, right? You can go there and I think you put slash TW for triple win. We, the Second Nature team just had a link we wanted to share with folks if they're interested in learning more about this. And I, I think people, Tony, are, are um, you know, at, at the end of this hour, they're, they're again seeing there's, there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of wisdom here. Um, they can certainly talk to you about practical issues they may be facing in their property management business. And you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge here. But I love that we had this conversation kind of in a way where it's really universal, even beyond just the PM business and personal goal setting, really building a life that people people are excited about. And um, and listen, I, I couldn't recommend, if you loved what you got today, like I can't recommend more getting into a conversation with Tony or finding, finding more resources to connect with him uh, as it serves you. So Tony, any, any final words before we let, let people go here? I think I'll close with this. Um, New Year's Day is coming up. We got the New Year's resolutions out there. Um, I would encourage you not necessarily to set a New Year's resolution, but to set what your 2024 is going to look like. Set it with intention. Reach out to the people, whether it's myself or anybody that you've got in your sphere. Um, figure out how you can support a bigger life. I can't remember if I said this with Andrew in the when we were just preparing to to open up the doors, or if I said it uh, once we started, but. You know, I really feel like life will prepare a path for us to achieve and have the things that we really want if we're willing to work hard for it. Most of us just dream too small. And so I'd encourage you to spend some time over these holiday seasons and before the first of the year to really just dream big and then figure out how to put a plan in place to accomplish those things. Hey, we'll leave it there, everybody. Happy Triple Wednesday. Hope you're feeling encouraged, energized, inspired, invigorated and uh, dreaming big between now and January 1st. Uh, Tony, thank you again for being so generous with, with your time, your thoughts, sharing your experiences, sharing personal stories with us today. Uh, really appreciate you and, and what, you, what you offered to, to us today. Thank you very much. Take care, everybody. Have a good Thanks. one. And that wraps up another episode of the Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you for pressing play. We hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration. The Triple Win Property Management Podcast is proudly produced and distributed by Second Nature, where we believe in a triple win, building winning experiences for your residents, investors, and your teams with the only fully managed resident benefits package. Visit secondnature.com to learn more and talk to an RVP expert in your area. If you have any questions, comments, or want to weigh in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Email triplewin at secondnature.com. That's triple win at secondnature.com. Stay connected with us beyond the podcast. Visit our website at secondnature.com to stay updated with upcoming property management events and articles. And don't forget, you can keep the conversation going in the Triple Win Property Management Facebook group. It's exclusively for property managers. To receive even more valuable insights and updates, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link to that and much more in the show notes. On behalf of the Triple Win community, this is Laura Mack thanking you for tuning in. And on behalf of Second Nature, this is Carol Housel. Check back soon for another exciting episode. Until then, keep striving for that triple win.